Last weekend was like the greatest weekend in the history of Cornerstone Church. I mean, I, I have never... Uh, I've never seen the church so alive as when we were in Mexico. I mean, I I wish everyone could have been there. Um, I mean, it's just, we were different. We acted differently. We worshiped differently. Everyone was so alive because we went there to give. You know, you go there to give, and then you understand what the Bible means when it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. Everyone's over there after spending, you know, seven hours getting there, you know, working all day, Saturday, serving in some capacity. And then when we came together to worship Sunday morning, it just, it was different. We were so filled with life. And, uh, and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose that. I don't want to come back and go, okay, now we're back in Simi Valley, so give to me something, you know? Let me come and consume. Let me go back to church to consume. Because do you realize you can come here and actually give? You can actually walk through the doors, walk into the foyer, and actually be looking, who can I serve? And you'd be amazed at how much greater your worship experience would be if even here in Southern California, you came to give to other people and serve other people. Uh, It it was the greatest trip, though. Absolutely. I I don't want us to lose that. I don't want to lose that giving attitude where we're back. We're going to be doing plenty of trips to Mexico, plenty of different missions, opportunities, and things, because I think there is something real about it. I think it's great when we go into another environment, and for some of you, it's your first time, and it just blows your mind when you look at the need. I want to do services in the inner city. You know, why don't we all go down to Compton and, and have service down there and serve people there, you know? Let's just... The church... The church needs to be alive. We need to be doing things, you know, not just showing up, same place, same old thing. I mean, life is supposed to be an adventure. People are filled with the Spirit. (laughs) You guys are just in the class. (laughs) That's so fun. All the other services have been dead. Okay, this is good, though. This is good. You guys are the ones that must have gone to Mexico. It was, uh, but it's just... uh, going to make for a long service too if after every sentence you guys clap but uh but that's okay that's okay we can do that we can do that um but it was cool i mean just for some of you man there were tears or people serving you know one lady 60 years old going i think this is the greatest day of my life you know it's just to experience giving like that in that type of environment um I, i'm just saying i don't want to lose that i i so don't want to lose that um did you come today desiring to give um was it the same mentality now that we're on the other side of the border um because it's so easy to lose that i I got i get home sunday night and it took us like 10 hours to get back because of some issues of uh, at the border but uh um it didn't take everyone that long but we we uh, did and i I got pulled over and everything else but i didn't even have to bribe talk myself out of it and uh (laughs) but uh all, all sorts of things um but then get back Sunday night, jump on a plane the next morning to go to Lima, Peru. Okay. Now, Lima, Peru. What? Okay. Because I did not know what Lima, Peru was all about. What do you think about, okay, when you think Lima, Peru? What, what comes to your mind? Tropical? Mm-hmm. Uh, dry. Dirt. What's that? Enchiladas? Oh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear. Well, Chichen Itza? Oh, the ruins. Are they there? Okay. I I didn't know. Oh, okay. Machu Picchu. Okay. Same to you. Okay, what what else? 
What do you think? Lima, Peru. What, what comes to your mind? Mangoes? <laughs> Air pollution? All right. Soccer? Good. Primitive? Oats? Oh, the oats, yeah. Kevin and Jessica Oats, our missionaries are down there. Okay, yeah, when I thought Lima, I thought tropical. Doesn't that sound tropical? Lima, Peru. You know, it just, it's like this beautiful, tropical little place on the coast. It's ugly. It's, it's not tropical at all. You try to find a tree in Lima. It's just, it's, it's brown. It's just dirt. It's just this desert. The sun never comes out. There's always just a haze. So the sky's always gray. Everything's just brown. And there's amazing poverty in Lima. Did you know in Lima that there's, there's been this religious persecution in some of these areas? There's been a cult called the, the Shining Path. And, and just like in, uh, in Sudan, Africa, where, you know, these rebel groups will chase everyone out of there because they're running for their lives and they go to northern Uganda. And so now you get all these refugees. Same thing has happened in Lima, Peru. People have been chased out of their homes and they have come to Lima. But now you're going to a place, unlike Uganda, that's got some natural resources. Lima's got nothing. It's a desert. You, you've just chased all these people into this desert. Um, in the last 10 years, the population of Lima has grown from 850,000 to 8 million in 10 years. So imagine all these people coming to this desert area to find a home. And so they, they set up the, this little, these little shanty towns all over the place where they just find wherever they can to make four walls and, as, and a roof, you know, if, if you're lucky of something, of some sort. But, but picture, you know, seven million people that are displaced in this place. It's about 85, 80, 85% just severe poverty here in Lima. And, um, I, I was shocked. I, I was shocked. I didn't know all this stuff about Lima. I went with Children's Hunger Fund, which we're a big part of here in Cornerstone. But one of the cool, coolest things, one of the first day, first day I go there, and, and many days in my life I wake up, I just go, God, do something crazy in my life today. I don't want to just wake up and live another day. Okay, do something. Show me you're around. Show me something great. And first day I go to this place and uh, you know those food packs that you guys pack for CHF? We get those boxes. You know, we, we went out distributing some of those. I mean, it could have been some that you packed. You know, and, and we go and we're, I'm distributing this this box at this one home. I mean, you can, you can call it a home. It's, it's, it's about uh, the size of that, that wall, these walls. Like, like you know, about this big. And... Um, and there's uh, four people living there. It's a single mom and just two handicapped kids who can't walk and, uh, and, and a daughter. And so what's she going to do? She can't go work. She can't leave the, her handicapped kids at home alone. And, uh, and so it's, it's a situation like that. And there are so many situations like that. I mean, so many husbands have left. I mean, it's just all these single moms and, and kids and orphans e- everywhere. And, and I'm, I'm passing this, this, this box to this lady who, uh, you know, this will tire over for a few weeks, you know, but it's food. It's, it's, it's exciting to them. It's like, wow, a box, you know, and we're able to share that, you know, someone from the States, you know, cares and loves, and there's a lot of love in this box. You know, it's not just the food. It's someone, someone cares about you. And, uh, but, but anyways, I come to find out, you know, after talking to the translator a little bit, that just the week before, someone from America had brought wheelchairs to her, two wheelchairs, so for the first time, her two boys could go. And then I find out it's someone from our church. 
Cornerstone Church the week before. That's just so nuts. So I'm in the middle of a slum in Lima, Peru with 8 million people in this one home and someone else from Cornerstone Church was there the week before delivering, you know, uh, wheelchairs. You know, it's just the craziest thing. I'm going, wait a second. Someone from Johnny and the Friends? I go, was it so? And they're like, yeah, I translate. I'm like, it goes to my church. I mean, it's just like this crazy thing of just seeing the love of Christ through Cornerstone Church. I mean, there's, there's nothing like it. And then I, you know, then I go and visit our missionaries. We have missionaries in Lima, Peru. Kevin and Jessica Oates. A lot of you guys remember them. He used to head up our uh, our uh, um, our Bible Institute, and that was a huge loss to us when we lost Kevin. It's like, man, you ran our whole Bible Institute. He taught us so much of the scriptures. Kevin is doing an amazing job out there. He's teaching at the seminary, but he didn't speak Spanish, so he had to go learn Spanish first. And now he's teaching Greek in Spanish. Okay, you, you know, so that's what Kevin is doing, and, and he's training up pastors there. And then Jessica, Jessica's a nurse, his wife's a nurse, and so she's been doing these, these mobile med- medical clinics. But I want to show you some pictures of the area they live, you know, that they're ministering in. This area is called Manchai. This is just a small, small section of it. There are actually 300,000 people that live just in this area, this little shanty town. 300,000, and this is a small area, and there's like 8 to 12 of these, I forget, there's 8 or 12 of these that, that surround Lima, where they just they just live up in the dirt. Here's, here's their homes. I mean, they're just trying to find anything. They don't own the land. They just find a piece of land, try to find some wood, and, and just put up something to put their family in. And um, so here's your typical home. As you can see, everything, that's just what you see everything, every day. It's just dry. It's just gray. It's just... Here's your whole life, your whole existence in there. A lot of these single moms, I mean, some of them just tons of kids, you know, just nothing for them to do. Uh, Jessica, like I said, has been doing these mobile medical clinics um, where she'll get a team of people and they'll, uh, they'll go to a certain area and maybe, you know, rent out a church or something like that and just do like a one-day clinic and try to see as many people as they can. Um, and then Kevin, Kevin's preaching um, at a local church, and like I said, he's teaching in the seminary. Um, and go ahead and go to the next one. So this is this is just a, a typical countryside area, um, and and they, there's no water, obviously, no running water or anything like that. But a truck will come by every once in a while, a water truck, and people will run down with a bucket and, and scoop some you know water out of the bucket, and but they have to pay for it. It's not the government. Um, it's just they just get some water from some vendor um, and the water they get I'm sure is pretty disgusting but it's water at least there's something for them to drink and so they'll just run down and do that. that that's that's their existence and the tough thing is I was talking to Jessica about it in that area of 300,000 there's no medical care um, there's she said there's one little clinic but she says you wouldn't even want to go there she says that everything's misdiagnosed she goes, she's explained how this one lady, you know, came to her just going, yeah, they told me I have this uh, liver disease that they just can't cure, you know, and that's why my skin's dry. And Jessica checks her out and goes, no, all you need is lotion. This, 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 it's just, you know, it's just, it's like a crazy, I mean, the, the things that she runs into, she goes, you got to understand what these people are about. They'll, they'll come in and kids are, you know, if they've got an eye injury, they'll have something over the eye. I'm like, what is that? And it's some cloth that's soaked in urine and 
blood or whatever else and they just believe it'll cure they'll bathe their kids in urine you know cuts they'll pour urine i I mean it's you know she'll talk about babies that come in and you know with with different diseases and 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 what they do is they'll catch a pigeon and have the the pigeon poop in water and they'll mix it up and put in a baby bottle and have their baby drink it believing well that'll i mean this is the medicine they have this is what three hundred thousand people you know, that's just in one area. That's just one area. And there's, there's a few of these. This is the one that Kevin and Jessica have landed in. And, uh, and so what she was trying to do was set up a medical clinic, you know, just something there. And, and so she showed me the area and they had a few walls. I'm like, well, what, what happened? She goes, we ran out of money. I'm like, how much more money do you need? And she goes, she goes, 5,000. They'll put on the roof and finish off this building and I can start working. Uh, and so immediately I call the church and go, you guys just, just wire them $10,000, you know, so they can buy some medicine. Some, and we had money from those pictures you bought, you know? So it's like, okay, just, just wire it over. Oh yeah. And, uh, it was so cool, you know, and she's like, really, you, you guys will do that. I'm like, of course, you know? And she just goes, you know, this is the greatest day of the year. It's Jessica's day. I think this is the greatest day of the year for us. This is just the best news. And, um, and so I'm talking to them and, and just trying to figure out what are the needs. And she says, you know, honestly, we need some help here. I mean, it's, it's the two of us. Um, Jessica has gotten one, uh, one nurse practitioner that's helping her now. But now as, as we're setting up the clinic, I mean, understand, picture all of Simi Valley Moore Park, Thousand Oaks, Newberry Park, all of them going to two girls for their medical care. Okay, try to picture that. Everyone's seeking after them, and you're all living in those conditions too. So that's what it is out there. And uh, she's saying, any help, just someone to even teach, and I'll teach you medicine, and they can in turn just teach the people, look, urine doesn't solve everything, you know, whatever, just the the basic obvious, here's what aspirin is for, here's what this is for, just basic hygiene, those types of things, she says, even if, even if someone would help me watch my kids, so that I can be out there more, um, because, you know, they have a one-year-old baby, and she's, and she's pregnant again, and uh, she's like uh, four or five months pregnant, and so she goes, I'm going to have both babies, and it's just going to be really tough, and she, she's been trying to find childcare, but it's just—it's not easy out there. And uh, because we we have these dreams, they have these dreams, and they've become my dreams. And they've shown me the pictures of what they want to build in this area in Manchai. They want to build a church, a nice church, so that people can come and worship. They want to build a real medical clinic that'll cost about two hundred thousand dollars. They want to build a school where they can educate some of these kids and teach them English. Because if you can speak English and Spanish, you'll be out of your poverty. I mean, it's that valuable out there. They want, to, they want the church. You know, we were talking about how maybe we can make the church the, the place where people can come and get clean water somehow. And, and, and basically, we're talking about a million-dollar project, but we need laborers. We need people who know about construction that may be able to go there and, and organize the thing. We need people who'd be willing to teach, people who help with the medical clinic. And, and I just thought, you know what? Um, I, I told them, you know, I'll ask the church, see if people would be interested. Maybe we can get some of you to move down there for a year, um, a year or two. Invest your life uh, in something like that. And it's, it's crazy. It's crazy down there. I'm not going to lie to you. There is a city in Lima. There is a, an area that's pretty, um, what do you call it? Established, modernized, whatever. You know, basically, there's McDonald's, there's Starbucks, there's uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, there's, there's, there's 
Applebee's. Okay, so, you know, so there's like a, a normal part of town. Not normal. That, that's the wrong word. It's, it's, what? Developed. Yeah, a developed part of town. Um, but it's, it's still dangerous. A ton of crime. Um, and, uh, you know, Kevin and Jessica live in an area that's, that's pretty protected, you know, and you kind of need to. Um, but it's still not totally safe. Um, and and I, I, I don't want to paint like this, oh, yeah, go, it'll be beautiful, it'll be easy. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. You're going to leave Simi Valley and move to Lima, Peru? That's, that's crazy. Um, but at the same time, isn't there a sense in which it would be crazy not to? I mean, when you, when you look at what you know of Scripture and what you know of the need there, and, and Lima is not unique to the world, many places like this, isn't there a side of you, of you, I'm not, this isn't just coming from me, but isn't there a side of you that even thinks, it's kind of crazy not to invest a couple of years of my life into something like that. Just, just, just think about it. It's hard for me to talk about anything else when I get back from a trip. I just got back Friday, and and it's hard for me to talk about anything else because, and and it's not. This isn't unique to me. It's unique to me because I go and I go to these places, and I have opportunities to go, and I thank God that I get to go to these places because I believe if you visited this place this week, your heart would be the same as mine. I mean, Bill went with me, and he knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. I mean, you can't think about anything else. And when you go, it's, it's not that I'm this godly man. It's just, it just happens that I, I, I get blessed and get to go on some of these trips. But if you went, you would come back with the same feelings that I have, where you get back, you jump into your bed, and you go, wait a second, right now, right now as I'm sitting in this air-conditioned room, they're still over there. And some woman is mixing up pigeon poop and water for her baby, you know, and then hoping that that'll cure whatever disease he's got. And uh, and so it's just hard to even focus. It's hard to concentrate. You just go, oh, there's so much suffering going on. And as the church, that's what we need to be all about. I mean, that's what we preached on last weekend, right? What did Todd leave us off with? What's true religion? Caring for widows and orphans in their distress. That's the religion that God sees as acceptable. That's what God wants from the church. Caring for widows and orphans in their distress. So what else is there to talk about? That's true religion according to the Bible. It's to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. But, uh, you know... I'm not going to spend my whole message on that. I'm going to leave it there. Um, but and, and we're going to talk about it more next week. Um, but we're going to jump into James this week. And we will hit this next week. Next week we're going to solve world hunger. Okay? So we'll, we'll save that for next week. You guys think I'm kidding. That's that's what's funny. Um, you just just show up next week. Just show up next week. Uh, but now, right now we're going to, we're going to transition. We're going to switch gears. Would, would you guys just, just pray with me? This is right. Father, I, I, I want Cornerstone Church to just set the pace and to practice true religion and God, to, for us to pioneer, to start something that truly would change the world. 
Father, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us, God. So there's nothing on this earth that we cannot do. And help us to truly believe that about ourselves. Not because we're great. We're nothing. But we worship a great God who can do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine. According to the power that lives within us. And so, Father, I I pray for great things. I thank you for Kevin, God. That's amazing that he's out there teaching Greek and Spanish. I, I thank you for Jessica, that she's out there with her two babies, just trying to care for medical needs, God. It just, And I pray for those in this church that are going to go and, uh, and help create this, this place of refuge in that area, God, where people will hide in you and find security in you. God, I pray that you make it happen because it's way over our heads. But God, I know you can do it. And guide us now, Lord, as we... Uh, Open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this, uh, this, this, this week we're going to talk about um, James chapter 2. Uh, it talks about favoritism. Favoritism. And it kind of relates to what we've been talking about. About who we care about, who we lift up. I remember last week the, the passage ends with true religion being caring for the widows and the orphans and keeping oneself unpolluted by the world. That means unstained. You're, you're just pure. You think the way God thinks. You see things the way God sees it. Even though you hear these messages from the world and you're bombarded by the world all week long, you're not stained by it. You think the way God wants you to think. You act and live the way God wants you to live. That's what God wants of us. Now, one of the areas that we get stained and polluted is what he goes into here in chapter 2, which is the area of the way we view people. And so in chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here, here's a good seat for you, but you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Okay, so basically he says, my brothers, he goes, don't show favoritism. The word favoritism is literally translated respecter of persons. Don't be a respecter of persons. Don't assume that one person is more important than another. Don't treat people differently. And it's interesting because I I love the phrase he uses. He goes, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Don't show favorites. And that's very important. As believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. See, if you believe... That right now, if you are a believer, like he's talking about here, if you're a believer that right now in heaven, there is this glorious being. Okay? Right now, as we're sitting in this room, there's this being in heaven who who the Bible says dwells in unapproachable light. There's this being where we would look at and just go, oh. We would just be in awe. In fact, if we saw him in our human bodies, the Bible says we would just die because he is so holy and so unapproachable in that sense. And he goes, so if you believe there's this being sitting on the throne up there that's so glorious, then you should not show favoritism toward people. You should not be a respecter of people. You should understand of all people that there's God and there are people. 
There's not different levels of people when we are in the sight of God. There's just God and then there's just a bunch of little flesh and blood, you know, people that walk around on the earth. Like Isaiah 2 says, you know, why do you regard man who has but a breath of life in his nostrils? You know, why, why, you, why would you lift up a person when he doesn't even know if he's going to take another breath? There's God and there's man and as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we shouldn't have any distinction amongst ourselves as people. And honestly, this was an embarrassing passage to me. Embarrassing because I always assumed in my pride, I assumed that I was not one to show favoritism. I just thought, come on. You know, I see people that are starstruck and go, look, there's so-and-so. And I'm like, what? You're weird, you know? I mean, who cares? It's like, oh, will you sign this? You know, and they're so starstruck by different people. And I'm just like, I am so not like that. But then I'll talk to a famous person and suddenly it's like, I'm like thinking about what to say. I'm thinking about everything. I, I can't talk, you know, and I'm, I'm just realizing, okay, so what does that say about me? I'm a loser. You know, I, I, I do the same thing. Like, wait a second, why am I speaking to this person differently? Because I'm a respecter of persons. Um, and the Bible says we, we, we can't be that way. We shouldn't be that way. Um, It's going to happen everywhere else, right? There's certain people on this earth that wherever they go, they'll get special treatment, right? And at the same time, there are people who are rejected by the world. And wherever they go, they'll be rejected. And that's okay. What's not okay is when they come to church and it's the same thing. And that's... That's been some of the frustration, you know, and I admit it's in my it's in my heart, too. But, for example, here at Cornerstone, we've had over the last 12 years, we've had some pretty famous people visit the church. And they'll sit here and it's sad because they get treated at Cornerstone the same way they get treated outside of Cornerstone. People are like, did you see who I sat by? You know, and say, hey, will you sign my Bible? You know, whatever it may be, it's like there's a flocking. There has been. The famous people have come to the church have gotten no different than what they get in the world. That maybe they were coming here just hoping maybe they'll just treat me like another person here. Maybe I can I can blend in because they believe in the glorious Lord Jesus Christ that they'll see me as just another person and care about my eternal well-being rather than a signature or a picture or whatever else there may be. But, uh, but it hasn't been the case. And in the same way, there have been people who typically have been rejected in the world and they come here and, you know what, it's kind of the same thing here. Um, I mean... Uh, we got to somehow get past this. I mean, that's what the Bible's saying. We shouldn't be showing this special attention to people, whether it's because of their wealth, their fame, or anything else. We just should not be respecters of people. We respect God. And then we just love people all equally the same. Can we get there? I mean, just, just imagine. If you came in this morning, try to imagine this, you sat down in your seat, okay? And then what if... Tiger Woods sat next to you this morning. Okay, just try to picture that. You sat down in your normal seat and suddenly Tiger Woods sits down on your right side. 
whoa, that's weird, right? And then Oprah (laughs) sits in the next seat next to you. And um, would you be distracted right now? Okay, now why? See, we got to get to this heart of why would that distract me so much? But it would. Now let me ask you another question. They're still sitting next to you, okay? Tiger's on your right, Oprah's on your left. And then suddenly, God appears on the stage. The glory of God. This being who just, let's say he allows us to get some glimpse. He allows us to live through seeing him in, our, in some veiled form. He's on this you know, throne just filling up this whole place. You know, the glory of God. At that point, will Oprah and Tiger be a distraction to you? <laughs> At that point, suddenly it doesn't matter, right? Because all you're interacting with is no way. God and me. God and me. Why? Because we have in our sights the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's the problem here is that we forget. We forget who God is. We take our eyes off of God and suddenly we become a respecter of persons. All we see are the people and we put them in these different systems and these different classes. Because we forget, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, all we should see is there's a great God out there, and then there's people. And our job is because of all the mercy that God has shown us, that we're out giving to people, sharing with people, showing mercy to people. That's all this is. That's all this is. And, 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 and that's why we, we can't be consumers. We've got to come here and say, you know, we're going to give. And if a famous person comes, I don't want anything from a famous person. Why, why do I need to, to know this person? The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not going to look at them the way the world looks at them. Hey, can I have an honor? Can I have a picture? Can I have, you know, some money? You know, can I have this or that? I'm not going to treat my boss the way everyone else treats them, you know, of trying to get something from them. Of, oh man, maybe I'll kiss up to this person because they can help me because I want, I want, I want, I want. That's the core of the issue is we're people who want something from other people. Whereas the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If we are people who really get all of our fulfillment from the Lord and satisfaction from that glorious Lord Jesus Christ, then we can walk into the church and give and show mercy as God wants us to. But we don't. Instead, we show favoritism. And you go, no, that doesn't happen at Cornerstone. Oh, yeah? I had a hidden camera okay, last night. In the lobby, okay? And I I just wanted to know, okay, how friendly are we as a church? Let me just stand at a table and let me put someone else, you know, next to me. And, you know, one of our high school kids, kind of a punk-looking guy, you know, not too bad, just a little ring through his lip. You know, let's just... Let's just see, you know what, do we show favoritism? Are people going to greet me and not him? And, uh, and so here's, here's the video from, uh, from last night. This is, this, is, this is fun. And we got a little counter on it, shows you how many people uh, say hi to me. So there, there I am, and you can't really see. Uh, so just standing at the table, and there's the other kid. Oh, there's some people greeting me, interesting. Now, they actually talk to the kid for a second. They ask him to take a picture of us. Um... <laughs> So that doesn't really count as them talking to him. Let's say here's another guy coming up, greeting me, and there's a lonely boy, still lonely. Um, 
cool. So we're talking, talking, talking. Cool. Here's a book. Hey, read it. Okay, I'll try. All right. Uh, see you later. Oh, here's another guy. Hey, I brought you something. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Thanks. No, I appreciate that. All right. You want to talk to my friend? No. Okay. Uh, hey, buddy. What's up, man? Good to see you. All right. Cool. Rock on. Um, here's it. And uh, hey, brother. I love you, man. It's good. 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 <laughs> uh, hey, what's up? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way. And then... Um, an usher here is talking to him. So good job, Ed. One more usher, Ed, is talking to him, asking how he's doing. Yay, Ed. Okay, here's some more people talking to me, ignoring him. Um, let's see what else happens. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> oh, Todd. <laughs> Yeah, Todd and Lisa. All right. Okay. So, <laughs> you guys, that, that, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's like, are we really that different from the world? Honestly, we'll walk in and we'll zoom in on maybe someone who has something to offer us, someone that we'd like to talk to, but are we looking to show mercy? Are we show, looking to care for people? Or even in the church, are there these classes and different people that we'll talk to and other people that we'll ignore? It, 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 it feels like high school sometimes, you know? Remember you walk in, there's the popular kids, there's the, you know, the geeks, there's whatever else, you know, and there's just certain systems like that. And, and the people that are, you know, popular in high school are popular in the church. You know, it's the same type of thing. And, and the Bible's saying, look, there shouldn't be a difference. If there is a difference, if we do show preference, we should show preference to the poor. To those who are typically rejected. Like it says in verse 5, listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you've insulted the poor. Isn't it the rich who are exploiting you? Aren't they the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? He goes, hasn't God chosen those rejects on the earth that to be rich in faith? Hasn't God chosen them to be his own children? Don't you understand? God has associated himself with the poor, with the rejects of the earth. God's associate, they're his children. Now suddenly you're rejecting God's children. The glorious Lord Jesus Christ is going, those are my kids. Those, they love me. They're crazy about me. And you're rejecting them? And he says, it's the poor that have chosen. I mean, isn't, he's just saying in general, it's typically the poor who are crazy about God. Doesn't mean that there aren't rich people who are also rich in faith. It's just, it's rare. Typically we're complacent. We've got God, you know, we've got so much stuff and we, we believe that we've built the security for ourselves. We don't need God as much. And so we've got all this other stuff to distract us. But for the poor, when you go, like some of you went to Mexico and you're blown away by the joy and the happiness of some of these people that have nothing, but they have God. And they find so much better. That's the way I felt in, in Africa. I'm like, man, they're so much happier than we are. You know, with nothing, but God is everything to them. And they're so rich in faith. 
And God says, you know, some of the rich people that are material wealthy, materially wealthy or, or have this fame or you guys lift up even though they're exploiting you, even though they speak against me. I, I mean, like if someone like Lance Armstrong were here this morning, he'd be like, no way. Lance Armstrong, seven-time Tour de France winner, you know, and he was sitting next to you and you found out. It's like, whoa, just what, what do you say to Lance, right? I mean, never mind the fact that he rejects everything we teach here professed atheist that would speak against Jesus. But boy, can he ride a bike fast. So let's lift him up. Let's do the same thing in the church as we do everywhere else rather than being more concerned about a person's salvation. You see, it's, it's, it's this whole idea of who do we lift up versus who does God look at and who does God see as pure. Don't you just want for one day to see people the way God sees them? You know, just like I'm totally unpolluted. I'm I'm just seeing people the way God sees them, not lifting up one person or the wrong person or whatever else. I want to interview someone um, from our church. Ian, is Ian in here? Oh, there you are, buddy. This is Ian. Hey, Ian. Good to see you, man. I'm going to grab the microphone. I'll be right back. This is Ian. Ian's been uh, with our church from day one, I mean literally day one, um, uh, Diana, his mom, plays keyboard. She's playing keyboard this morning. She's been with our church from the start. In fact, she used to be like our only musician. And I remember the day she was having, she was having Ian. She was in labor and it was Sunday morning and she was supposed to play. And she asked the doctor between contractions, is there any way I can leave? <laughs> Seriously? And go play at Cornerstone and come back. And he just said, you are crazy. Because she ended up giving birth like 20 minutes after she made that statement. And, uh, and Ian was born. Now, Ian, something happened to you when you were one. What happened when you were one? I have seizures disorder. Seizure disorder. And, and so, um, so does that make some things tricky for you? Yeah, yeah what? I have no good speech. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, you can't speak real good? So a person needs kids right now is here in the lobby. Yeah. Now, you help out with the special needs kids here, right? You help out in the class. What do you do there? I do the craft and story and singing. So you help with singing and crafts. And yeah. Now, what, what else do you do to help out here at Cornerstone? I help with the donuts, the bubble cloths on to be safe with the domes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. You help with the donuts. He said he put gloves on there because he wants to be safe with the donut. What else, what else do you do on Sunday morning? I help with bulletins every morning. Yeah, you pass out bulletins every morning. Now, you went to ma- you, you got your Imagine shirt yeah. on, so you went to imagine what did you do when you were I there? I the cable house to person who needs to get a while we seizures. Yeah, so you helped other kids who had seizures. What did you What did you do at the Gabriel house? I pushed them away and my Dylan played the guitar. And so you helped push them in their wheelchairs and Dylan played guitar? That's awesome. Now, um, now you worship God, right? Yes. Yeah. What um, do you like to sing? What's what's like your favorite songs to sing to God? Sing to the na 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 that one. That's uh, every move I make, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, now, um, what 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 has God done for you, Ian? God's Jesus done God's for every sins and heal. That's right. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Ian.
just just for one day to say, okay, God, let me see what you value and what's what's beautiful to you. As God looks in this room, how does he view us? Who who does he look at and go, wow, now there's a person after my heart. There's a person that's pure. Here's a person that I would lift up. I'm willing to bet that it's different from how we view people. And the people that we place as first are probably many times last in his eyes and vice versa, just like he says in Scripture. In verse 8, he says, um, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you've become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So, if nothing else really hits you, he closes this section with saying, here's a motivation to not show favoritism. You're going to be judged. And how do you want to be judged when you stand before God? Do you want to be judged based upon your works? Or do you want to be shown mercy? You see, why, why do we show mercy toward others? Because God has shown mercy to us and we believe He's going to show mercy to us when we come before Him at the end of our lives. Okay, because you're going to stand before God and we will all need mercy at that point, right? Right, because God's going to go, okay, let's go through my commands here. Honor your father and mother. Did you do that perfectly? You're going to want some mercy after that one, Right? Then he's going to say, okay, thou shalt not bear false witness. You ever lied? And he's going to start running the tape. Let me show you time after time after time. Okay, I need a little mercy here. Thou shalt not covet. Don't desire what anyone else has. You ever desired what anyone else had? Let's run the tape. We got time for this? You know? <laughs> and it's like, boom, boom, boom. And it's like... Okay, okay, all right, yeah, I I broke that one, I broke that one, I broke that one. When he says here in James, if you even just broke one of them, you're already guilty. Okay, how many millions of sins are we going to stand before the Lord on, and what are we going to need at that point? Mercy, please, don't, don't judge me by what I did. Because, okay, while I was on that earth, I knew, I knew I offended you. But I believed you loved me so much that you, you sent your son, right? Didn't, didn't you? You sent your son, Jesus, and he died on that cross for me. And on that cross, he was being punished for all of those crimes you just listed, right? And, and, and that's why I can have mercy. That's why God says, yeah, you know what? My son did pay for all of that. And you did believe that while you're there on the earth, that I loved you that much, that rather than punishing you, I was fair. I had my son pay for it. So someone paid for it. And receiving that mercy, and if you understood that then, because you gave me that mercy, let's look at your life. Did you then in turn show mercy to others? You see, because people who get it, people who have been fulfilled by God and understand the mercy of God, they in turn go out and show mercy to others. That's why James says that. It's not a work salvation thing. He's just saying the ones who get it, the ones who've really been fulfilled by God, they don't walk around wanting stuff from other people. 
They walk around with the Lord as their shepherd. They don't have wants. You know? That's the whole idea is if we're so fulfilled in God, then I shouldn't show up to church today, you know, looking at someone and saying, oh, okay, there's Dave and Pat. I wonder what I can get from them. Because I don't need anything. I should be so content, so satisfied, so overwhelmed that my cup is just overflowing. It's like I can't fit any more blessing in my life. My life is so good that I don't walk in this room and go, oh, I wonder if they can give me something. See, that's the way the people in the world walk around doing. It's like, what can I get from him? What can I get from him? What can I get from him? Do you walk in the church the same way? Uh, I mean, do, do they experience the same thing when they encounter us? People wanting something from them? I mean, that's the reputation of church in general, right? Church just wants my money. The church just wants this. Church just wants that. No, the church ought to be just a group of people that are so filled with love, so overflowing that we don't need anything from anyone. Man, we just want to love. We want to give to you. We want to give to you this God that we've been so blessed with. Is that you? Is that how you came in this morning? Just going, man, I've been so blessed. My life is so amazing. Who can I give to this morning? Imagine how this place would just explode, you know, if that were our reputation and that's truly who we were as believers. So that's what I'd like us to pray for. Um, I want you to take a moment and just say, God, I want to be that type of person. I don't want to show favoritism. I I want to see the glorious you and the rest of us here. I want to see that I am so filled by you that I can just spend my life showing mercy. And so that when I come before you to be judged, you'll see that I lived a life of mercy. Giving to people who didn't deserve it. People who had nothing to offer me. I was just giving to them. That's the picture with God. He gave to us while we were sinners. You get that. You love that. You appreciate that so much that it makes you want to go out and give and show mercy to everyone you can. Um, I'm going to give you about a minute just in silence, just to pray, to confess any sins of partiality and ask God to change you. And if you need prayer this morning, if you want to get baptized, you want to give your life to the Lord, if you want to just understand what it means to begin this relationship with God, I'll be over there by the prayer room and some other pastors and counselors at any time during the worship. You can go over there. But for now, let's just spend a moment in silence and just pray to God and ask Him to change you.